Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid, so scared to do what I wanted. In looking back, I can see all the mistakes that I made And I wish that I could talk to me And tell me I can change Don't be afraid Welcome to Blog Talk Radio Safe Recovery. This is Monica Richardson, and I am your host. Today is April 2nd, 2019. Uh, Tonight we have on Wendy McIntyre. So Wendy comes to us from California. Wendy is a mom, and she is a public safety advocate. And she created a website called jaredslaw.com, and we'll talk more about that. I'm looking at the website now. Uh, her son died in a sober living. It's been, I, I think, about 14 years now, and Wendy has been fighting this fight for a very long time. So we've decided that we're going to do another show. She was supposed to be here last week, but we screwed up with the times where it got flip-flopped. Anyway, so we're here now, and, uh, you know, it's time for change. Um, I called it the rotten rehab industry. And there are lots of laws uh, up in Sacramento that have been trying to be pushed through. And it's amazing to me that uh, there still is not one that will make a sober living have a license. And without any more waiting, we're going to bring Wendy on right now. Hi, Wendy. Welcome to the show. Well, hi, Monica. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I am... I am excited. I really am. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. And, you know, it got me uh, just another chance to, as I was just, like, preparing a few days ago, to look at your site. And I want to tell you, just it's really really a great site. So I just wanted, for those listening, we're talking to Wendy McIntyre, and this is uh, Jared's Law, J-A-R-R-O-D-S Law.org. It is on the blog talk radio and uh you know i really can see all the work you've done over these years and uh we've i've had you on before and we've talked and you know can you just tell people in you know however because we have an hour like just a little pocket of like what happened to your son and then yeah let's just talk about that history so if somebody doesn't know it no, that that's awesome, and thank you so much. Yes, I. Uh, you're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. Jared, Jared, um, Jared was my son. He was 23 years old, and um, 
Jared found heroin at 20, and 36 months later he was he was dead. And mm-hmm. I tried everything I could to um, fix it, but as a mother, you know, at some point in time you realize that, you know, you cannot fix it. So, unfortunately, on December 1st, 2004, he died. And I was... Uh, I can't even use words to describe what I was. But what I wasn't was somebody who was going to become bitter over this whole situation. I had made that decision at one point, I'm either going to get better or I'm going to get better or bitter. So in my journey and in in trying to understand what happened to Jared, it became this, this fascinating introduction to the world of sober living. And um, at the time in 2004, when Jared was in sober living, I uh, was referred to by the state of, state of California, the Department of Healthcare Services. Well, I guess it, it was the Department of Drug and Alcohol at the time. Mm-hmm. And when I went to them and I started to complain about, I think that there's there's a problem here. My son, you know, paid $600 a month for a second set of eyes, and he didn't get that. And I was just referred to fair housing. And at the time, I thought that was very interesting because it was just, when you know, what what does this fair housing have to do with anything? Mm-hmm. Um, and as time progressed, I, I, I learned a lot. And I learned mm-hmm. a lot, you know, by trial, by fire. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized that in the very beginning when it came to sober living, people that, uh, the only kind of articles that, um, were written about had to do with the lawsuits that related to the NIMBY issue, which is a not-in-my-backyard issue, which has everything to do with zoning laws. And, and it was fascinating because, for me, I was all about, what about the rights of the disabled? And they're like, yeah, it's, it's pretty much zoning laws we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And I, I really, uh, you know, as I stumbled upon the story of what happened to Jared, I realized very quickly that things were changing and changing quickly. And I I saw that change come to fruition in a big way in 2014 when the American with Disabilities Act was now now, um, being enjoined with fair housing. And Mm -hmm. as I started to really you know, dig down deep and, you know, realize, you know, okay, these are laws and what did this, what does this really mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and what I realized is that it means that, um, that at the time that the um, uh, shenanigans, people that were holding up, uh, the people that were complaining, people that were concerned were dealt with in a certain fashion. And that was, oh, you are all about NIMBY, which is not in my backyard. So, you know, mm-hmm. this all became about a zoning issue. And so that was sort of an interesting, you know, uh, reality because the fact of the matter is is that my son's rights were violated. Um, he had right to be free from harm. He had rights to prompt medical attention. So I started looking into rights. Mm-hmm. And by mm-hmm. the time I started catching up to it, I realized that in 2014, all of a sudden the American with Disabilities Act became uh, you know, on the forefront because of Obamacare. Now, I've been mm-hmm. yelling about the American with Disabilities Act for a long, long time, but mm-hmm. now all of a sudden we're talking about it. And what I realized in, t- in 2014 is that the American with Disabilities Act basically allowed insurance to cover addiction treatment as long as you were duly diagnosed. 
that's an issue. You know, it had to be duly diagnosed and in order to have addiction treated like a any other illness. Mm-hmm. And um, so what I saw was treatment, what I saw was sober living looked like this, and then it changed in 2014. Yeah, it got really and huge. Even though we didn't it, think it, it was it, going to. It yeah. changed as an animal. It changed yeah. as an animal because you were paying, you know, your 600 a month, but and, 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 and the the person was holding themselves out as a sober living home, which was, you know, rule number one is, um, well, rule number one is good neighbor policy. Don't let anybody basically know that you're there. But rule number two is I'm holding myself out as a drug-free environment. So for me, um, uh, as time went on, I realized that um, things were changing. And w- when I say things are changing, I say all of a sudden sober living home is being paid for by insurance. So that to me was very, 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 very odd. So yeah, I had to do some right. digging. Mm-hmm. And last week you had Danny on, who I love, and she made yeah. a comment about the Florida model. Mm-hmm. And we really, you know, I, wanna, I really I wanted to address this Florida model because it now incorporates this world of sober living. And what what really it came down to is that, um, you know, they found the loophole where they were able to make outpatient appear mm-hmm. as inpatient. Yeah. And unfortunately, the end result of that is that, um, you know, people went into quote unquote treatment and came out worse than they came in, or worse yet, in a body bag, like with my son. So, over the time, I realized that, well, what are these loopholes that would make outpatient and inpatient treatment? I realized, you know, there's there's differences. You know, I knew Betty Ford. You go to Betty Ford. It's a hospital setting. There's, you know, it's it's very structured. And then I realized that in order to make um, outpatient and inpatient, it was for the sole purposes of, of of getting paid. And what I realized that the way, what is this model? What does this Florida model mean? Basically, the Florida model is a trickle-down economic principle of a financial structure, and I'll explain that. And basically, in a nutshell, very simply, it means that the center sustains housing. By writing a check to housing, by making it appear as if it's this third-party housing by creating invoices. And, 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 and the reality was is that they were using the money that they were receiving in large part from $1,200 drug tests, which we're new to sober living now, to offset this, uh, this housing cost. Because I could never mm-hmm. understand how is housing, how is sober living, how is insurance paying for sober living? Right, right. It's really and not. And I realize they're, that they're it, saying it. Yeah, it's not. It's paying for the IOP, but then they're saying. Right. So it. Yeah. It became a part of the system, and it yeah. became a part of the system that created this continuum of carelessness. Let's just make that clear. Carelessness. Why? Because they're putting care. profits yeah. above people's, you know, safety. Because yeah. the reality is, is you go to detox, you go to outpatient, go to sober living. That's sort of how it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, now. What we've got going on is, and, and before I want, want, want to go forward and what's going on now, I want to be very clear about something, because this is what I was up against in the beginning. It was not just about, you know, it, it had nothing to do with Jared and his rights. It had to do with, you know, zoning issues. 
with people with disabilities. Because when I would approach the state, they would refer me right away to um, the Fair Housing Act. But I knew, I knew that that states already license um, places with through the Community Care Licensing Act with with people with disabilities, which is I kept saying that's Jared. Jared was a protected class. He's you know people with disabilities. The way that the Community Care Licensing Act views people with that is with mental illness, developmental disabilities, the frail and the elderly. And there are serious licenses in every single state that oversee those types of disabilities. Mm-hmm. They really are. There are licenses in, 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 in place to protect these people from abuse, exploitation, mm-hmm. inadequate or improper care. Threats to their well-being, threats, you know, threats of, of theft of funds. So for me, the concerns that I was starting to read were really very, very sim- similar to all of the articles that are coming out. Even even as early, even today, there were several arrests in Florida, but they all started sounding fam- familiar, and. And it, and it spoke to this proliferation of fraud and abuse in the addiction treatment industry because now sober living is being paid for. It's now part of the addiction treatment industry. And so these are, you know, so the fact of the matter is that, that these are the same sorts of issues and problems that people in recovery are facing, but for some reason they are left out of, of, of what sh- they should be protected from that the Community Care Licensing Act oversees. But I don't want to get into too many details, but I do want to just say that there are they're a vulnerable population, and they're being exploited, and they're being abused. And there's right. overdose deaths near and, 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 and at, not just, just not at, just at and near the incompetent sober living homes. And, um, and I think that anybody nowadays can Google Kenny Chapman or Christopher Baffin, and even the recent Florida busts just this week to see a clear picture of what the modern-day slumlord looks like. So it's like, what does that look like? Okay, and and again, I'm going to go back to this continuum of carelessness because the truth is, is that you go to detox, you go to outpatient, you go to sober living. That's the way it works. That's the way it works, you know, in 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 in, wait, in, in wait, its wait, simplest wait, wait, form. Wait, wait. I, I I just want you to say that again. Okay. Well, I I wanted. Okay, I will say that again. What, 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 what it in, created in a, in a perfect, was a dis- Wait, wait. Hold hold on. Hold just a second. I want to say this: that in uh, the perfect world of somebody who you would think this is how it works, you would actually go to a real detox where there would be a doctor and a nurse, and you would detoxify, right? And then you would actually, if you wanted and needed, would go to what you would think would be a rehab, which also could be in a facility that looked like, not that I'm promoting Betty Ford because I'm not, but that would be in a commercial district. This is, you know, I want to, because people think things, and then and they have these pictures on the Internet, and that these places don't exist like that. And then from there, then you would go outpatient, which would be IOP, intensive outpatient, and the last place, then that would, that, that sober living is where that grew. But what's happened since this CARE Act, since 2014, is that more sober living 
which is unregulated, unlicensed, exists now than people going into, say, a so-called real treatment. And yet, however, in California, they are called non-medical treatment. So our no, 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 non-medical detox. Don't yeah, get it twisted. Yeah, non-medical detox, but there's it's in a house, Wendy. These are right, right, houses right. In, in residential areas where there isn't a doctor and there isn't a nurse. And so someone in Ohio thinks that this place is a rehab, and it really isn't. It's a duplex in Hollywood, and our insurance, Blue Cross, is paying for it. And I just had to put that in because I've been dealing with a person who has a loved one out here and kind of watched the shit show that was going on for him and how a person is called a client and not a patient. And so now HIPAA law, like the way that you treat a patient would be that they could talk to their loved one when they were being moved from a house to the emergency room and not a client. Why are they a client? How is Blue Cross I'll tell making... you, because, yeah. you know, and Danny was on last, last week, and she was phenomenal, and she made yeah. a comment about the Florida model. It goes back to the Florida model, which is they've used these loopholes to make outpatient appear as treatment, because Betty Ford, you're right, it is, a in, it is, a, it is an all-inclusive place where there's, where there's emergency care. Everything is at the same place. Okay, that's the reality. And so what they've done is they've gone ahead and they've um, created a loophole. And what this loophole has allowed them to, to do is to um, play games with the insurance companies. All right, so insurance who created companies... the loophole and what is the loophole? Okay, let me give you an Let's tell our listeners example. what it is. Yeah, I mean, okay. what is the loophole and who created it? Right, well, actually... Um, uh, (laughs) it's based on a trickle-down economics principle. That's their financial structure. So basically what happens is this. What they've gone ahead and done is that the actual treatment facility now sustains, quote-unquote, housing, i.e. sober living. Mm -hmm. By writing a check to, quote-unquote, housing, as if a third party was creating invoices, and I know that, so, for example, and how would they do that? Now, how could you – because the question begs is how does sober living get paid for by insurance? Yep. Well, the way that they do it is that they misrepresent to the insurance company that, in fact, that, that um, you know, they're, they're receiving this, 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 A, B, C, D services. And to the insurance company, that A, B, C, D is detox and outpatient and then when you would think the next thing I would say would be in sober living, no, it's detox, outpatient, and you, the, the gold in your urine. Because the gold in your urine is, for example, when you get back in, when you get into the sober living environment, the only thing, what you, what you, found, what you find yourself involved with is you're peeing in a cup four or five times a week. Like, really? And at $1,200 a pop. So there's the money that the But I heard that it was only supposed gets. to be eight a year. Okay, so what you what you just told No, 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 me, no, no, no. These facilities, the way that they operate, they can drug test and for whatever reason. So let's just say that they get on one person four times a week $1,200. Okay, well, that's a lot of money. So it doesn't – it would make sense that, it, you know, that they would be able to – create this world where they would say, you know, that person really needs to be paying $800 a month to live at this place. 
So so what we're going to do is because here's and, and I'll get into that at the end because the, the client themselves are told that they don't have to pay anything that this is just a part of the whole situation but you know right. you're going to go to detox and you have to I'm test aware of that right give you drugs. yeah but they don't have detox and then you're going to go for seven days and then you're going to go to IOP which is intensive outpatient but the truth of the matter is is that they spend their evenings at this sober living home environment where where they keep, where they quote unquote sleep at night that's that's from the state. But while they're at that sober living environment, interestingly enough, they're doing their their drug testing via this uh, being in a cup at twelve hundred dollars a pop. So there is the income by which the actual facility, the center themselves, they've got all this income because the insurance companies are paying it. So what they do is they create invoices, and they Who create does? invoices. So they're paying a third Wendy. party, the Wendy. center. Wendy. Wendy. I have to have you slow down because, you know, you've been working on this for a really long time, but I want you to know that there are listeners out there that are parents and that are spouses and brothers and sisters who actually don't understand this at all. So we're going to break it down for them. So you just said to me, now I know some of this, I understand it, but I want you to slow down because as you're telling me this, I'm also seeing the fraud that they're doing. And every time I interview someone else, I understand another piece of where the fraud is. And we have to figure it out so that it can be exposed and stopped, right? Everybody can't just be saying the same circular thing and then nothing happens to change it. So the first thing you said was detox. Well, I know for a fact that a lot of these places, and I know from Danny who worked here, they don't even have that. They're supposed to come detoxed. Right, So if they're charging, if that is a line item that they charged Blue Cross, that's a fraud. That's fraud because they didn't have detox there. Second, the IOP, okay, they go from 9 to 3 or 9 to 12, right? And then the drug testing of what is really allowed. And, I mean, first of all, what I just said was the detox is a big red flag because it isn't there. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's the beginning process, and it is there, and it's their biggest money-making venture, which is one of the reasons why body brokers get people loaded before they go in there because they're going to get money. You're in detox at about 6000 a day, and, and, and the purpose of that experience is so the insurance company can get billed big time. Within three to seven days, you're moved then to this, this place where in the state of California they say you sleep at night. Okay? What that means is that there's this environment that is not licensed by the state, okay, and and they're just sleeping there at night. And in the morning, they get up, and recently, and legislation sort of changed this, but they would get up in the morning and they would go to the day center. So the, ins- the, 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 the facility bills the insurance company for big-time money for detox at 6000 a day. But once they get to that that outpatient world where they're in a sober living world and they're going to an outpatient every day and there's a lot of white vans in California that use that that that, that would transport these people to the day center you've got to understand that what at, at, at the end of the week when the person who does the utilization reviews um, submits insurance claims they're getting paid for the, you know, the, the 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 counseling and the this and this this and that, but the big deal is those drug tests, 
And the way that they're presenting them to the insurance company is that, you know, these drug tests, of course, are necessary and must be done, and they're at 1200 a pop. What I'm trying to get at is that the, um, the center, the facility, is using that profit in the urine and that gold, right, or the gold in that urine to utilize that money to, to pay for, quote-unquote, sober living, and 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 I know that it's sort of confusing because no, 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 it's yeah, it's it's not to me anymore. But I just want to I want to back up again okay. that because I've spent like days and hours and hours with Danny here in Los Angeles, where and I've spoken to other people in my investigation for uh, what's going on here. So I'm going I'm not going to say any names because I don't want to be sued. Okay. But I know a place, I know for a fact, because I know someone who was involved with this place. So you click on um, a detox, and you come up with this particular place that's in Los Angeles. And all I see is a picture of a bedroom that looks like you can leave the door open. I'm in Southern California, and there's nice green grass. And then there's a picture of a couch and a nice hardwood floor and a lovely bay window. Then there's a picture of, you know, maybe the vantage point from Hollywood, and there's a picture of a piece of salmon, and then there's a picture of young people together, which is a picture that was grabbed or bought off of the Internet, and then there's another piece of, a picture of young people. That is not – so anyway, this is being billed as a detox. But I know for a fact, because I know people who were here – and the name I'm not going to say, that there is no medical detox going on here. And that Absolutely these places right. are that it, detox. Yeah. And that California is filled with them. They have them, you know, um, Southern California, Los Angeles, that if I said, okay, I want to find a real place, they said, you know, go to the hospital, just go to a hospital. And that's that's a pretty sad state of what, you know, is going on. Um, so in, in that, with what you're saying, I do understand it now, but what I really have gotten is the lack of licensure that's needed for the, for the sober living, but how big sober living has gotten since the Affordable Care Act. Now, Patrick, who was on, did you hear Patrick when he was on? I did. I did. And, you know, he knew a lot about, like just laws if you move into a place, right? So that all of a sudden for me, I was like, wait, holy shit, like, okay, sober living, they don't really have, some of them don't even have a business name attached to it, right? They rent a place and then they attach it to their IOP, which they're calling their treatment center, right? Okay, some of them really have a treatment center. I visited one here. It was a treatment place. Right, but there's not too many, to be really honest. So they had a sober well, living. in California, you can't really have a day center anymore because of the fact that they're now putting clients in a in a position where they're allowed to treat, they're allowed to pick their own providers. It's something new that's that 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 just passed legislatively, and 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 again, it's just yet another um, uh, hurdle that can be maneuvered around. And that's what I was sort of getting at is that, you know, it's like the bottom line is that sober living is getting paid for by insurance. How did that happen? And Mm -hmm. that happens because the way, how are they paying for that? Well, they're paying for that through the urine tests because what I'm seeing from parents that I've spoken to. That's fraudulent. 
Well, it is fraudulent, but, you know, at this point in time, you know, until they get popped, they're going to do it. It's just like, you know, in, on any, in, in any frontline business. But here's what I'm seeing is that they're utilizing this income that they're getting from all these drug testings and they're paying the housing department and everything is wonderful and great. And then, when, then, and, and, and then people start to tighten it down. So they're like, well, wait a minute, you can't do that. So what does this facility do? They develop a, um, a housing uh, billing where they will go reach out to parents and say, you know what, now that your kid's in sober living, it's going to cost you $250, $200 a week. And they're like, what? I thought this was included in treatment. And they're like, yeah, no, not really. So they're attempting mm. to present mm. themselves as people are actually doing it separately when it's actual bullshit. And you know how it comes down to actual bullshit is yeah, when funny. there are a certain number of parents that go, oh, my gosh, I'll pay it. And then yes, the other ones right. are like, wait a minute, this was included. And then those right. kids are sitting in the room together, and they're like, my mom's paying, a, you know, this amount of money, which $800 a month. And then the other one's like, my mom's not paying it. So they're like, it's, 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 it's almost like with the insurance companies. They're going to bill as much as they can, and they cross their fingers to get the most that they can. And that's what I guess I'm getting at is they're putting, you know, the actual uh, person's value of their policy, and, and that's unfortunately where I step in into this with a lot of parents, the better the policy, the quicker your kid's going to, to die. And so I just oh had to figure God. out how is it that sober living is getting paid for, because that to me was actually ridiculous and it made perfect sense. Okay, well, somehow okay. they're making so much money that they, they just created a, a division, Department of Housing, like Department of Transportation, like Department mm. Director of, of this, that, or the other. But mm-hmm. what, what's really important is that there are loopholes. And, and uh, you know, the, you know, people are under the impression, people, when I say people, parents, they're under the impression that, you know, that what, they're, what it looks like is a lot like a Betty Ford. But in truth, as you said, it's a non-medical detox. Right, There's right, no, right. Okay, and, and we'll go into that later. But I just think that, you know, in going back to, you know, the Florida model, you look at the fact that you've got to compare it to Betty Ford, an in-house place versus these these houses all over the place that don't have to have a license with the Department of Healthcare Services because they're the places where they quote unquote sleep at night. But they don't have a license um, for anything. They don't even they don't have a license. Like there is there's no, no oversight. oversight. That was my when I realized when Jared died. I'm like, wait a minute. There's no oversight for sober living. They're like, no, Andy. You know, Amer- uh, yeah. you know, fair housing and American right. disabilities, rah, rah, rah. But what I can tell you is that, you know, th- there is I, – I just know this much, that it used to be that, that there were four separate levels of sober living, okay? And there was really support services that, that had to do with four separate. And then you had the Oxford House, which is very self-governed. That was number one. And number four is – where you are involved in a clinical inpatient. So what's in between that? You've got the halfway house where the manager with 30 days of sobriety is running, is overseeing, or you've got transitional, which is where rehab pays for a manager that potentially has a certification. So there literally is four levels of care when it comes to sober living but unfortunately yeah, but there's like no care at sober living wendy like this is the thing that care it's it's a babysitting it's a house it's a place where they live and they're driven and forced to go to aa meetings at night 
Like that's well, not, not only yeah. that, Monica, here's the bottom line. When we're talking about no oversight, let's just talk about who would be. Now, we know in Florida they're 10 years, you know, um, ahead of California. But let's just look at that, the, you know, NAR, the National Association for Recovery Residents. And really that's uh-huh. the question, recovery residents. And what they say, their, their mission is to support persons in recovery from addiction by improving their access to quality recovery residents through standard support, services, placement, education, research, and advocacy. And I'm about to tell you something that's about to shock you, but that's about, you know, NAR is, is it, 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 that sounds really good in theory, but the fact of the matter is, is that when you have places like NAR and CARF and JCO that are handing out five-star ratings to everybody, Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the reality of it all. You pay for it, that you get your five-star rating. How okay, much can you say is, that again? National Association of Recovery what? The National Association of Recovery Residences. Okay, yes, okay. So is I have where, oh, okay. Wait, is what, wait, wait, Wendy, Wendy, yeah. hold on a second. Yeah, because I don't, actually I know they're all corrupt, and they're like, they're, it's like the, the wolf is covering the hen house. Now, there was right. a person. Is there somebody who's going to call in? There's a lot of people in the queue here. Yes, I want to. Yeah, there's, a, there's actually a father that's going to call in, and, okay. and he's going to share his personal experience about what just happened to his child. Because in addition to all of this, the only way that, that, the, the way that people are making all this big money is through the body broker. And, right, right. You know, yeah, I, we, we and, talked and a lot about him last week. And that's why I want you to talk to the listeners. Yes. Because the bottom line is, like, look, I'm, I'm in a fight to save lives. I lost my son, you know, to rogue rehab, and I don't want it to happen to other families. And, you know, speaking out means, to me, the risk of lawsuits from owners of rogue rehab facilities and sober living homes. And, you, you know, but what I can say is that these lawsuits can be the best way to expose the truth. Right, because right. I, here's, the, here's the truth. Of all, let's just say, of, of 100 lawsuits, 95% of them are going to settle because of the fact that that's how it works, and they're going to sign confidential agreements. And that means that rogue rehab facilities and sober living homes can continue to pose a danger to, you know, people that help. Right. We need people to, we need to get really vocal. So what is this gentleman's name that is is waiting waiting in the queue? Rich is waiting patiently, and he will share a little bit more about everything. But before we leave, I just wanted to say one thing. No, no, I I don't want you to leave. I just want to bring him on. And so, no, uh, and then to be brought on. And here's the reality. Okay. Uh, I think that when you take a look at what is sober living, there is no oversight. Period. The end. Oversight in California is 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 is, is, is interesting because whether you're a sober living at home or let's just look at it, a treatment facility, because sober living homes are so connected, and not only are they so connected, this is the bigger deal. The sober living home environment is where all of the poaching is obtained, and I'm when I say poaching, poaching of human beings, because you're you're dealing with somebody who is in a very bad situation, you know, and and I think very that vulnerable population. It's very very vulnerable. Now, I mean, I think that you know the state of California is a pretty weird state. You know, I mean, I, I like the weather here. And there's some things I like, but they just passed another law. They like to pass these laws where when you go into Starbucks, you're going to see a little sign that there may be something in here that's going to give you cancer. And then the other day I was in the grocery store and I saw the guy 
putting in the new bread, all the fresh bread, and there's this stupid sign that says something about beware of the bread. And I said to him, yeah, yeah, beware of the bread, but, you know, there's no oversight in rehab when people are treated here, you know. And then there's another law about vaping and smoking, and now they're going to, like, make, you know, all the three, you know, smokes that come out of people, whether it's, you know, marijuana or vaping or cigarettes, and they're going to make it even stricter around you know, restaurants and places, but there's still no licensing for sober living and there's no oversight for it. So it's a really weird state where they like to pretend that they really care about social issues and people. And yet in this industry that was $25 million when I began to make my film in 2011 is now a billion-dollar industry. And we all thought... stop. Beep, beep, back the truck up, woman, because just the other day... Gary Mendelson from Shatterproof, which is an incredible organization. They actually have been successful in getting a grant approved so they can literally, and it's starting with five states, they're literally going to rate. They're going to have a rating system, just like you would on you know, Yelp or something. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact mm-hmm. of the matter is, in that article, it was $740 billion. When I when I sat down for the business of recovery documentary, it was thirty five billion. Now I want you to sink I want this to sink in. Seven hundred and forty billion annually in the way of crime and lost work and health care. And the truth of the matter is that with that even with that statistic of seven hundred and forty billion in the way of all of the things that are being done, ninety percent of those who need drug rehab don't receive it. Right, and, right. And I want you to hold on a second. Hold on, Wendy. Hold on. Before I go, I wanted to say one thing. No, no. I, before, don't, I don't you want you to go. Um, I want you to. Oh, I don't want you to go yet. I want to. I want to. Who's on the line here? Uh, this is Rich. Hi, Rich. Okay, Rich. So I'm bringing on Rich, and Wendy uh, introduced me to his. Uh, so I want to thank you for calling. And sorry about my dog barking. Uh, there's somebody at the door, um, but. Uh, I want to, because we only have so much time, and I know that you lost your son, and I'm very, very sorry that this happened, but this is why I I sort of am going down this um, rabbit hole here with bringing Wendy on and Danny and other people, and I think Patrick's out there listening and wanted to call in, but I wanted to do you first because you lost your kid also. Would you like to tell me just whatever you want to tell me first what happened you want to talk about exposing something please just begin well i mean i mean sure and and going down the rabbit hole is a good analogy you know i mean i was actually in the federal courthouse for kenneth chapman's sentencing with uh their supporting one of the mothers who lost their daughter and yet uh, in, in a dark twist of irony you know 15 months later my son died 10 miles or within 10 miles from that courthouse uh, oh my you know, God. I, I, yeah, I don't want, and I don't want to, I, I really can't, I'm not going to mention specific treatment center he was at yet. And I say, mm-hmm. yes, but the day will come out. Uh, but he had been, he had left, he had been out of that treatment center for eight days. But while he was in that treatment center, he met a young man who was acting as a client in that treatment center, but he was recruiting as a broker to send kids to California. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, so when my son left treatment and, and he decided to drink and, and do the, you know, and and basically do what he did. And then we all on a solid front told Alex, 
look, no, there's no money. There's none of this. This kid provided Alex with a softer, easier way rather than, you know, than to do the work and, you know, and change his life. So mm-hmm. my son mm-hmm. reached out to that kid and that kid, um, you know, that kid was the last person to see him alive. I've got witness, witnesses that have come forward and told me that that kid is actually the person that, that uh, supplied my son with the fentanyl that killed him. And he's the person that found my son dead the next morning. Uh, oh my and God. my son was supposed, he was supposed to fly to Southern California the day his body was discovered in Boynton Beach. So it's, uh, I mean, it just, uh. there's, there are no words you know, mm-hmm, to, to describe mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What, what it's like to lose your kid. And then you get into this, the, the, the more you know, the more your mind is blown by the corruption and just the sheer just negligence in this industry because these are the perfect victims, you know. And the ones that, you know, because they can make millions of dollars off these kids, and then when one of them dies, they can shrug their shoulders and say, you know, you're looking for someone to blame. Your son died because he's an addict. Right. Uh, and and it's just, it's deplorable. And, I mean, I've I've done a couple interviews with CBS, and, uh, and you know, the, the other thing that I've found is that, that uh, law enforcement is so overwhelmed that unless you're beating a drum and constantly in their ear, and letting mm-hmm. you know, and they're getting and they're getting calls from CBS news producers. They really don't do much. I mean, it's just you know. I mean, the I was left with the feeling that just another dead junkie. You know, that's I hate to say it in such a dark term, but that's really the way I was left feeling. You know, I mean, there was a detective in Boynton Beach that uh, just consistently told me all the reasons that it was going to be hard for her, you know, for her to actually do her job. You know, when when the fact of the matter is, is my son died as a result of two felonies. You know, body brokering is a felony in Florida. Right. And, right. Uh, and pro- providing somebody uh, with fentanyl and it resulting in their death is a felony. So the fact that you know it you were when when this happens, and and this has brought me in touch with so many parents that can, that tell the same story. And that's the thing is that each parent is experiencing this alone in their little corner of America, and they don't know how many other parents are going through this exact same situation, you know, this, this entire, this whole thing. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, he, my son passed away June 14th of this last year. And uh, it has been, like uh, you said it perfect, the rabbit hole. Yeah, it's just, so I want to just say this because well, first I'll say it again that I'm so sorry uh, that this has happened to you, and I really appreciate that you were willing to speak out. And I saw you. I guess it was on local news out of Cleveland that Wendy sent me. But there, here's a part of the puzzle that I found that I didn't understand that could help us. And I want to say this to all the parents who have children that they've not only the loss because i'm in touch with a lot of parents and so is wendy but i have people call me for different reasons but so we have law enforcement and you have a police officer and you have a detective and then you have the fbi so i got so frustrated with the information that i had so i went to the fbi but there is and they're kind of over too right and um but in between them um and in between law enforcement and then there is healthcare fraud division 
in your district attorney's office, and depending on what city you live in. So right now, and for them to get Chris Baffham, it did take, it took the police, it took the guy who got ripped off for a hundred grand, who he took him, that guy, I know him from Facebook, I met him in the courthouse downtown. It took the, so let me repeat it, I'm sorry. So you have the police, so you have detectives, and it took the FBI, and then it took district attorney's office. So what happens is you have, um, you have attorneys, and then you have police officers who become investigators. And there are big groups of them, and the bigger the city you'll have more, are now a lot of them are working on these cases. So you can go to another level, and you find your district attorney's office, and you find the healthcare fraud division, and you say, I have information for you. And right. you write down yeah. the names of the players and the places and what they look like and who they are, and you hand it off. And then I would actually suggest that the family go to the FBI. So at every level, if we find that there's another, and then there's the marshals. And well, the, and I, found I will this. say that I, I will say yeah. this: the same two FBI agents that were out in front of the cameras for the for the Kenneth Chapman case, and I had their cards. I've I've called them multiple times, and I've yet to even get the courtesy of a returned email or a returned phone call from. And these guys are out of South Florida. Um, I mean, I still have right. Yeah. Uh, gotten, I, well, I understand that the FBI call. doesn't call you. Uh, well, I mean, I heard that they don't call you back. So um, right, because. Right. You know, you have to call them again, and we even had a mother who had her, her kid was dead out here, and the guy treated her like crap, and I said, you know, hang up and call back and get a better guy on a different day because in L.A., they take turns answering the phone. And one day you're right. going to get a really sympathetic person. Another day, one day, we got somebody who wasn't. But my point, maybe because I I, I am not a parent who's lost their child, uh, and uh, but I I... I what I'm saying is that there is another person to contact, and that is where – so it's like sort of like, you know, we make, uh, how to get them. How do you get them? And it's the health care fraud. And Wendy and I well, were you talking know what? about I, I it. Say, can you hear me? Yes. This is Wendy. Yes. Can you hear me? I yes. just wanted yes. to give a shout-out to this amazing advocate by the name of Jennifer Turner. I think she's out of Texas. She, Jennifer has been crusading to make treatment safer, and she really is a barracuda with amazing connections with law enforcement and reporting agencies all over the United States. And she really does have the ability to connect you with top-notch lawyers, which is really, really important, and shepherd you through this crazy maze of oversight, which, you know, exists in some arenas and it doesn't in others. But what I do know about Jennifer is that she's crusading to make treatment safer. and, and, And on behalf of my son, Jared, I want to thank her from the bottom of my heart, the way she's helping people. Um, and you can reach her out on Facebook. She's extremely responsive and can give you incredible support. She really is. She's extremely selfless and, and will go over the, the uh, you know, go over the, the call of a duty to help you. So I just wanted to put a shout-out to Jennifer Turner because she really is, and she should actually be on your show to share her passion and her experiences mm-hmm. of how she is, in fact, helping people to um, to take responsibility. And let me just talk about taking responsibility. What does that look like? Lawsuits. Okay, I'm in the fight to save lives. I lost my son in a rogue, sober living home, and I don't want it to happen to other families. So speaking out for me means the risk of lawsuits from owners and rogue treatment facilities, right, and sober living homes. But lawsuits really are the best way to expose the truth, as many lawsuits have been brought 
you know, brought forward by these fam by families of you know of loved ones. But the unfortunate reality is that confidential settlements get signed and there's gag orders. So it does mean that rogue rehab and drug facilities and sober living homes can can continue to pose a danger to addicts seeking help. So if there's anybody, like I say, who's who's really, she's a barracuda, she's amazing, I would uh, reach out to Jennifer Turner. She's on Facebook. I think she lives in Texas, but she really is amazing. Well, I'll, I'll reach out to her. Uh, I think that media is really important, and that's why when, you know, she sent me that and I saw you, one of the most important things that people can do is media and newspaper and, you know, calling, uh, you know, I mean, I was thinking of Sanjay Gupta, like, you know, to do a show on what's sober living, like I'm, you know, preparing whether or not I'm going to make another film that will talk all about just rehab and sober living and all the, you know, the bad stuff that's going on it, as well as what happens to pilots, nurses, and doctors when they either seek help uh, or you know, get into some kind of trouble. And I just think that, if so if you could talk, Rich, just a little bit more of what happens, you know, your son passes, and then you begin to see what's going on, and what do you want to do? Like, I, you want to speak out, obviously, but do you see a way where it can be changed from what happened with your well, son? Well, I mean, the more that I investigate, the more that I learn, the more that I'm thoroughly convinced that the entire system is broken. That, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that I, I have absolutely no faith in the rehab industry, and I have mm-hmm. no faith in any, and I have no faith on anybody that's, uh, that, that's promoting themselves and making money from putting our kids on airplanes and sending them a thousand miles away. And that's just the repeated thing that you see in the industry. You know, I mean, the the PR that the rehab industry is wanting America to see, and what actually is occurring in mm-hmm. the in in the rehab industry are two different things, and it's appalling. I mean, the one thing that I I mean, I sent knowing everything that I know and knew about the treatment industry from what I knew about the Chapman case. And what I knew about South Florida, the only reason I chose the rehab that I did choose was because of two people that I knew that were employed by that specific treatment uh, facility. And then mm-hmm. after everything happened, they, I then had witnesses that were in treatment with my son come forward and, and tell me, well, we warned management that this kid was there and he was brokering people. And, you know, and I've, I've gotten all the text messages between my son and this person, the girls that came forward and told me everything. And then when I went and met with the representatives of the treatment center, you know, they basically, you know, two specific people lied right to my face. And I understand HIPAA, but they still blatantly lied. And then when the CBS story aired, I found out that they reached out to one of the girls that was a witness, you know, that came forward because, you know, their concern wasn't me, you know, me as a father that lost his son, their concern was we need to reach out to this girl to shut her up, to make her, you know, to see what she said. And it it just, uh, you know, I mean, my, what I tell anybody anymore is don't put your kid on an airplane. There are Mm -hmm. fine resources, fine resources that are within uh, you know, a, a four-hour drive of your home so that if you've got a gut feeling that something's not right, 
you can get in your car and you can go make sure and check on your son or your daughter because because you know the it's just daily that I learn of another parent and another parent and you look on and if you follow media especially South Florida and Southern California, you just see it's just daily, just corruption and corruption and everything that Wendy talked about earlier with mm-hmm. uh, with what they what they sell you as what their rehab looks like and what actually takes place. You know, I mean, where where Alex went was the same thing: white vans that shuttled them to off-campus housing. You know, they came to the main campus, they were given treatment, and then they went back to live in private apartments. Uh, you know, it just it's it's appalling. <laughs> yeah, it's just appalling. And then when you look at when you start going through all the insurance bills and you realize how much money was paid to these people, you send your kid there, your kid you know eventually comes home in a box. They've made a fortune, and absolutely no positive result has taken place other than people have made have have gotten wealthy. Uh, and you know your your son or daughter is still dead, and then uh, yeah. So I mean, as I said to start, it's I have no faith in the recovery industry, and uh, and I and I'll add, I'm in recovery. You know, I didn't get I didn't get sober in a, in a rehab. Mm-hmm. You know, I got sober because I you know I did it the the old fashioned way. Uh, you know, with the help of somebody that had done it before and showed mm-hmm. me how they did it, and that's how I did it. You know, so. It's, I've said this before. The rehab industry was built on the fear and desperation of loved ones, not the desperation of addicts and alcoholics to change their life. It's a well, money-making you know, model. I mean, it is. I, I do think that in you know when it began, it was. I mean, Bill Wilson was involved in one of the earliest ones, and was Marty Mann was involved with Hazelton. I mean, Alcoholics Anonymous members were definitely involved, but I do think they were. I mean, though, you know, I'm not a fan of A. If you don't know what, but my history, we don't have to talk about that now. But that they were very involved. But they were. Let's leave the, you know, my whole dislike for Bill Wilson now and what he was like, and that he was kind of a shyster. He still. People were altruist. They did really want to help people, and there wasn't a lot of right. money being made. And um, the, the treatment industry was growing very slowly, and there were places people went. And whether or not I liked them or not, there were people who actually cared. And there were sober livings. They were not called that. They were halfway houses, or people would get houses. And, the, and I knew a woman who I met when I was on my way out of AA, Verna Sanchez, out in West Covina, who was the, had a heart of gold. And, you know, she had her places made affordable rooms because that's what people did. She wanted to help people get sober. She didn't want to make money on them. And even if she could find it out, she was, like, was horrified by that behavior. So in the earlier days, uh, you know, and even you go far back where Bill Wilson went, he actually went to a real hospital. He went to Towns Hospital many times. But, you know, it's been this since the 80s when insurance first, I guess there was a law that got passed, the Hughes Act, and and then it was like, okay, insurance is paying, okay? But it still wasn't a racket, right? Right? They couldn't that, go over that, it, over may, it. You know, it may not come right. on at its core. You're dealing with recovery advocates and body brokers that are offering a homeless person a place to live and telling parents we're going to take care of everything when, in fact, there is no oversight at all. 
because it, here's well, the bottom exactly. line: if you don't take a government dollar, you're you're in a different you're in a different division, okay? Where there are no investigators, there's analysts. So I'm just saying that the oversight in California is non-existent, and you know, to to allow. Um, Again, recovery advocates and body brokers that are just offering, quote, unquote, a place. I mean, a homeless, it really comes down to that. You're offering a homeless person a place to live, and there the cycle begins. And in this, and, and, and in the, on the other side of your mouth, you're talking to a parent where you're like, we're going to take care of everything. Don't you worry. But, the, you know, so I just and, needed to, like, and, it makes uh, yeah, me crazy. I want to I, I interject that, yeah. you know, that there is, I mean, I – the insurance money that I mean, when I point, when I look at one thing, I wish I could change. I wish my son wouldn't have had insurance. There yeah. are plenty of people that I know that work in at some in some capacity in the treatment industry that are great people that right. are altruistic. You know, that do plenty of work and help. It's That's when right. you have. You know, and and I know. I mean, I'm not going to list facilities, but I know plenty of nonprofit facilities that you know that pay their bills. And you know, it's basically you get a you know you get a job, you get you pay your hundred and sixty a week, you get a sponsor, you go to meetings, you do your thing, you fail a drug test, you're on the street. You know, there's no billing your insurance. There's no you know. So there that that insurance dollar. Is I mean that's that's the big that's the big pie in the sky ribbon everybody's reaching for. Yeah, it's you know, so bad. And, and, you're and, Ohio, and right? what the, are you in Ohio? Hold on a second. Are you, you're in Ohio, right, Rich? Right. Actually, right now I'm in Oregon, but I'm from Ohio. Yeah. Okay. So uh, this happened. You were in Oregon as your son was. No, I coming I, at the time. At the at the time. My, I was in Orlando. I actually, I was working in Ohio. My mother okay. lived in Orlando at the time. I drove my son to the facility in Delray because I, it was uh, during their, you know, it was last spring. I went down to my mom's. My son was really off the rails. I reached yeah. out and got him a bed and drove him there myself. Uh, you know, I, I, I left Florida, went back to Ohio where I lived. And uh, now I'm in the process of moving to the West Coast, but uh, but yeah, I drove out to that facility, and then he left, and then you know I mean, and being somebody in recovery, I was exercising the exact model that we're all told, you know, don't don't ex- don't extend him help, give him no options, let him go back, and you know my son was right there, and another thing that really kills me is that. He had called me less than a week, four days before he went back to South, before he was, before he died, and asked, mm-hmm. "Can I come out with you?" Because at the time I was in the Carolinas working, and mm-hmm. uh, he asked, "You know, could I, could I come with you, Dad? Can I just come where you are?" And I was working for a major. Uh, I, we were. I'm a, I'm a union contractor, and uh-huh. I, he could. He basically he told me he couldn't pass the drug test. Because my ultimate job, what I wanted, my dream was to see him come out of this darkness, give him a skilled trade, and let you know, and, and see the happily ever after. And and he had he had been clean from opioids for six weeks, and the individual mm-hmm. dropped him off, dropped him off at the homing inn in Boynton Beach, and uh, dropped him off with the with the drugs that killed him. And you know, he died alone, and with no t- with six weeks of being drug free from opiates, that was you know he didn't have a chance that night. 
you know, but really, right. I understand that's the most important point that he's made. Is that is this? In order for you to really get help, you have to relapse in order to get into detox. Right. And the and, and the bottom yeah. line is is that the philosophy of the addiction treatment center is on the payment structure versus what's best for the patient. But the fact of the matter is, is that you cannot get into the system unless you relapse. And that's well, the reality. So wait, 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 wait. I want, so I'm, I'm going to clarify that because that's not completely true. So because in the system of the system we're talking about, but there's a system outside the system, and one would be completely non-12-step help, and another one is hospitals. So everybody who's listening, right, it says the time is up, but what I've learned is we can still keep talking, and, and it will still record because I said it an hour. But anyway, you could. So any parent listening, if you know another system or your your kid it doesn't work out or your husband or wife loved one um, in that rehab world rejects your kid they can go to a hospital detox and they will get detoxed and there are places that will not reject your kids because they are high or they're drunk and this is the point that i mean why i feel i have to make the movie rich is that i don't feel that that belief system of telling you know that you got to throw them away or you got to do this tough love i mean you know in, in the beginning if it was aa where you came from i mean lois never threw bill out never I mean, if the, how it's evolved to this, to this scared straight, tough love thing, you know, was not really practiced back in the day, even with Bill Wilson, because she didn't throw him out. And, you know, right. and she, that was her husband. Like, what if, so now you're going to throw your kid out, but you wouldn't even throw your, your right. shitty husband who's sleeping with newcomers out? So that's why <laughs> I get so mad. And I think yeah. that and, 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 and it's me, not everything. Yeah, I wasn't trying, I mean, I, it wasn't like we were, you know, my family was throwing him out. We just yeah. told him, you know, we weren't going to co-sign anymore for his harebrained ideas of, I want to do this, now I'm going to do this, this isn't working for me, so fund right. my bad idea, you know. And I basically had told him, Alex, get some time together, you know, go back, go, you know, go to sober living and he was back down in and the the bottom line is is that the seed that had been planted by that body broker who right. had pretended to be his his buddy you know he was a couple years older than my son and the the kid this kid actually came to my son's funeral pretending to be his friend having no idea that i had right. i had the text messages i knew that he had brokered my son and right. i you know i mean my i was coached by some good friends of mine and told, you know, if you react, he's going to know that you know. So I kept my mouth shut, hoping that the police would do their job, because in my mind, mm. there was all the evidence in the world. You know, I mean, it was all on text messages, the, structuring the entire payment system, the kickbacks that he would receive. And he painted this entire picture for my son that, you know, how Southern California was going to, you know, was going to be this great place for him and that painted a picture of a rehab out there that was going to work. And my son bit. He thought, you know, I mean, he didn't have an option as far as, you know, he wasn't going to get, you know, me to send him any more money. Nobody right. in the family was going to send him any more money. He was going to have to get a job and he was going to have to do the actual work of changing his life. And so yeah, but the body broker was telling him something different, like, oh, I'll give you your money. I'll give you, you know, your parents are going to oh, give you yeah, the money, but yeah, I'll take care of your smokes and this, that, and the other. 
Yeah, is he I'm in jail? Al- yeah, we'll pay in jail. We'll, we'll pay. No, that's the other thing is that I know his name. I've got everything. I'm working with Boynton Beach, the Sober Home Task Force. I'm working. You know, I'm I'm constantly talking to them. And the guy still. I mean, I I know where he was as of three weeks ago, uh, because mm-hmm. there are people that anonymously give me updates. He and his girlfriend are both still on the streets. And I'm I guarantee that this guy that this kid is still out there doing the exact same thing. Yeah. So yeah. Well you know, we it, have it, to it, maybe we could right. talk yeah. yeah, exchange phone numbers and we could talk after this. Go ahead, finish your thought there. But it it just it's it's just it goes back to what you said down the rabbit hole, you know, because I would no if I could do all this over, I would be I would have my son in the car with me anywhere, you know, wherever I had to. I would put up with his BS if I had to get up and take him to a methadone clinic or take him to a Suboxone clinic every day, I would be doing that. I would much rather, be, you know, because if you're still alive, you still have hope. And, right. and the, you know, the brokers that are out there that are preying on this, that are selling these, you know, these kids that are in their, you know, especially my son was in his 20s and he trusted this kid. That's the thing is if you read the text messages, he trusted this kid. He thought that he was his friend. He thought this kid was actually looking out for his best interest. And the kid left him alone in a hotel to die. And then the kid, you know, then the kid, uh, you know, left the state because he, you know, I mean, the kid actually, once my son died, told yeah. other people, keep keep your mouth shut. I could go to prison for this. And, yeah, the federal law know, now, so, it was passed, you know, uh, it just got passed this year, that it's a federal law that body brokering is illegal. And so it's got a higher yeah. penalty. Uh, but I do think that um, these guys, some of them, because of some of the people that I worked with, know they come between California and there. And so that when it gets too hot over there, that he's going to come over here and do the same thing. Yeah, he was in yeah. L.A. He was he left he left Florida, went to uh-huh. L.A. And then uh, actually, I have a I have somebody anonymously sent me a uh, court summons for a battery K, uh, charge that he got in November or late October. He had a court date first in November in L.A. County. And then the next thing I know, he's back in South Florida. So, I mean, my thinking is he probably got uh, got picked up on that thing in L.A. and realized he didn't have a, a warrant in Florida and said, well, I guess I'm free. So now he's back. Up to a month ago, he was in Dade County. See, the so, thing that I, I've said from media, right, except yours is such a good piece, is that there's still – say it's a really big show i don't want to name it whether whether it's 2020 or whoever that they still keep when when they say oh the opioids killing and i'm like no 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 no." like you're missing like a big part of the picture what's killing them it's called the treatment the body the non-treatment the lack of treatment the body brokers that someone is doing this that's actually going to an aa meeting or sitting at a starbucks looking for somebody like your son even in like i heard that story here that someone pretends that they're a client in a place, and yeah. he's a body broker. Yeah. That's, well, that's, yeah, I mean, oh, it gets even better. Next week's good. need to be, we need to call out all the body brokers next week. We really do, because it's really a big business now. Because of the way that Google ads change the way that you can advertise, and the way that they, like I say, they create these loopholes 
so they can get away with it legally. So what yeah. we've got now is this whole group of recovery marketers. And, 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 and yeah, like I say, that's a separate show, but I'm going to tell you something, that these recovery marketers are the ones that con us as parents and tell us we don't know what we're doing and let mm-hmm. us take care of everything. And, again, they're oh. putting... The, you know, they're, 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 the payment structure is goes beyond goes before what's best for the patient, and that is really the truth. Yeah, well, we have to do yeah, another show. An, there's, for, there, yeah. there's an army of there's a whole army of people out there that uh, market themselves to, to parents as the solution, and they send they put kids on airplanes all the time from major cities, Illegal. and the kids come back in boxes. Right, you know, it's illegal. It's, yeah, uh, it's illegal. But unless yeah. we, you know, get uh, the other people involved, the insurance investigators and the district attorneys working with the detectives, working with the FBI. So what I would say is, you become that squeaky wheel with the FBI. You introduce. I mean, I actually know somebody. Yeah, that's who what I happens can, when your kid dies. You become a freaking squeaky wheel for the rest of your life until change happens. Yeah, and well, then I, and people and then people actually start to avoid you because you're that you're you're you know you're that guy that's going to complain all the time. You know who wants amen. to deal with the guy that's constantly who, who wants to deal with the guy that's constantly talking about their dead kid? You know, right? Well, yeah. I think that somebody has to because to me, you know, one of the biggest inspirations when I was making my film, The Thirteenth Step, was watching gay activism when people were dying of AIDS. And what I heard, I was watching, I think it's called like the United States of Stress, that Sanjay Gupta, mm-hmm. is it him? Yeah. Oh, I got to watch that. Oh, my God. So it's really good, but now the numbers are bigger than that. And so what they did, right. though, I mean, you really do, they were screaming, I think it was called Miami Dade, it was a, a documentary, and I remember sitting, you know, really depressed about how do you expose things and getting people together and man they the gay community really did i mean i know they had some inviting but they really did know how to come together to create change and they were outside the fda right the federal drug yeah you know you know petitioning and yelling and like you know because their loved ones were all dying and there was but a we drug. shouldn't have to be yelling for transparency i'm going to tell yeah, you something. well the i mean you got to do something should be I'm, publishing the records of the of the this is the bottom line. They should be publishing the records of the history of what goes on in that facility to give the right, parents to get the opportunity them to, do to make that, an informed Wendy, decision. And what I'm saying is that if, you know, uh, you know, talking around all the work, look at all the work you've done, that, you know, that there's people in different states, right? There's a woman you just talked about. There's a woman down in Orange County. There's you. There's me that cares about this for, you know, for the, just, I mean, I care about it, and Danny, and different people, and now we have somebody new, Rich, and that if you come together that then it, it will be powerful. I think it will take gotcha. more than, you know, I mean, but anyway, that they inspired me, and I was like, okay, I still don't, I, you know. Uh, anyway, I do have to wrap up the show. I want to thank you, Rich, for calling in, and um, I, I would like to connect with you outside of off the, off the air, and then we can finish up Sounds with Wendy. Great. I want to tell everybody, first I'm going to tell you I'm very, very sorry for um, your loss, and none of those words won't, you know, I don't really think they can help, but just know that from my heart that I, I care and want to change I want to change the addiction recovery industry, and I can't do it alone, and I know that all of you want to do it, and that I want to thank Wendy so much for coming on. I just want to just give a plug for her website because she has so much information 
um, that keeping track of all this stuff. It's, it is a beautiful website. Yeah, and I very do have the death reports. I have all the records. I'm, I want people to see them. I'm trying to load every 2,100 facility so you can see what's going on. And I really object to the fact that they're so heavily redacted. I mean, you should redact person's name because of HIPAA. But you shouldn't, like, I shouldn't be seeing page after page of, like, redaction of what really went on. You need to know what's going on in these places. Just as these accrediting agencies need to be, they need to be transparent and they need to have, you know, their findings out there for people to see. So again, I think that when people start telling the truth, like Rich and, yeah. and, 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 you know, you and Jennifer and everybody, I think that we're all going to be a part of the solution. I really do. Yeah, I do too. So exchange, you can give Rich my number and tell them maybe to call me anytime this week. And I want to, we'll have to do another one. I mean, obviously, there's so yeah. much more, Wendy, so we can just, you know, keep doing them and we'll just eventually. Okay, I'm with you. I've got a lot of people that want to share their story because here's the reality. And I just need to say this and then we can close. It's really important because of the fact that I am a big mouth and I do go ahead and I call <laughs> people out, you know. And, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, when you've lost a child, here's the deal. You you really, I don't know, it gives you this freedom because, you know, you can't take anything. You can't take anything from me that's ever going to hurt. So, and in, in, in I stand in Jared's shoes, and I know that Rich stands in Alex's shoes, and, and that's our job. Mm-hmm. That's, that's our it. job. Yeah. Yeah, that's you right. can't take anything from me. You can't, I mean, you can't take anything from me. You've taken all, I mean, all that I... My son's been taken, so that's, you know, I have no reason to keep my mouth shut. So it's time to stand back, light a match, and watch it explode. Burn it to the ground. I want to thank you both for being on the show. I want to thank um, all the listeners out there. And if you want to get a hold of me, I'm at makeasafer at gmail.com, or you can catch me on Facebook. And we have Rich is out there and uh, Wendy McIntyre, and that's Wendy McIntyre with an E. Yeah, thank you very much. And that's Monica Richardson of The 13th Step that you need oh, yeah. to watch. If you're on Amazon, go watch that film. It's amazing. Thank you. And it's on Tubi now, which I think is free, which Woo. is another platform. Tubi for which free. Is cool. Watch yes. it. Talk about okay. preying on the vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Thank you so right. much thank for you. talking to me tonight. And sorry, Patrick, I couldn't get you in, but maybe we'll, we'll definitely get you in next time. Okay, everybody, good night. Thank you so much. This is Blog Talk Radio, thank Safe you. Recovery. I'm Monica thank Richardson. Thank you, Rich, so much. All right. All right. Good night. Thanks, Monica. Okay. Thank you. All righty then. Bye.